Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. The word sanctify means to be set apart, to be made pure and holy for a purpose. In other words, he sets you apart for a great purpose. And he says, you entirely. That means he wants your entire being sanctified. So it's not just part of your life, not just your eyes, not just your hands, but the whole you. And he proves that by the rest of the verse. It says, and may your spirit and soul and body. That's another words of saying the totality of you. So may you in totality be sanctified and be preserved complete, all right, without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this has a twofold application. One, you will be kept saved. Number two, you'll be kept growing. Why again? Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. So let me use a little cute phrase that might help all of us. God does not want us to grow old in Christ, I'm older, you're older. He doesn't want us just to stay alive in Christ, you know, grow old in Christ. Here it is. He wants us to grow up in Christ. And so since he wants us to grow up in Christ, he says, I don't want you just to have fire insurance from hell. I want you to have an intimate relationship with me, and I want you to continue to mature and grow. Now, that is very interesting because it tells me that spirituality doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen suddenly. It's something that takes growth. It's something that takes Uh, intentional yieldedness, intentional submission to. And when we do that with the Lord, He helps us to grow. So none of us have to stay where we are because He is faithful to help us to grow. Now, I like that because I can't force myself to grow spiritually. He does that. He's the one who makes me grow. And all glory goes to Him, which brings us now to number four. All right? So now I'm growing. So what happens as I begin to grow in the Lord? I begin to encounter issues in life, which really comes from Satan, the unseen world. So number four, I could depend upon the ultimate promise keeper to give me strength and protection. To give me strength and protection. I like this verse because it begins right off the bat by saying, but the Lord is faithful. Not will be faithful, not has been faithful, but the Lord is faithful. So That tells me again, it's the character of God. He always is. He's the great I am. So I am always faithful. And then it says, based on his faithfulness, he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Now that verse tells me that the evil one is real. That verse tells me that the evil one technically is everywhere I go. He's the prince and power of the air. So wherever I, not just air, air like I breathe, but everywhere, he's everywhere. But it also tells me the evil one who is everywhere is strong enough that I can't fight him and I cannot be strong by myself, that I can't do this by myself. I absolutely need him. And so therefore, he says, I am faithful there to do two things for you. I will protect you so that Satan will never own you. And he also says, I will strengthen you so that you could rise above whatever satanic activity in which you might find yourself. Are you tracking with me so far? Now, let me broaden this a little bit. Because some people that are listening to me, they may think, well, satanic activity really only occurs at a seance or when they're doing weird, wicked things out in the forest. You know, that's where Satan is. You know, oh, yeah, Satan kind of comes out on Halloween. I I get all of that. And and, uh, some of that music that's out there and all that, that's, that's where Satan is. I don't want us merely to think that because here's what will happen if that is our mindset. 
will say, well, the best way to stay away from Satan is don't go to the forest, don't go out and do these wild things on Halloween, don't go listen to all of this satanic music and do all of that stuff. As long as I don't, don't do that, hey, I'm free. That's not the case. Satan is there, and I understand he's very active there, and you might be able to experience more of him in a real experiential way, but I don't want you to think he is any less real anywhere else in the world. For example, since Satan is wanting to do what he can to your life, the following, as a believer now, what does he want to do to you and me? Well, first of all, he wants to close our mouth from being able to speak for Christ. Secondly, if he can't close our mouth, this is very important, he will muddy our message so badly that we don't give it out clearly, so it doesn't really matter because what we're saying is unclear or wrong. If he can't do that, the third thing he wants to do is to wreck your life. So now you're willing to take a stand, you're taking a stand, you're speaking it correctly, you're speaking it clearly, you're speaking it compassionately, you're speaking it courageously, you're speaking it consistently, but it's coming from a life that's all messed up. That's where Satan wants to get you. You don't have to go to a seance or the forest to have your life wrecked up, your message muddied or... Your mouth closed. He can be anywhere. He can ruin your testimony at work. So when you go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow, I want you to know that Satan is lingering there in some measure to do what he can to at least do those three things, to destroy you. Because if he keeps anything away from you that would give glory to the Lord, he smiles at that. All right? So he could be there. He could be on your job. This is going to scare you a little bit. But he could be right here at church. Here we are in this wonderful place, and most of the time our mind is on the Lord anyway, and learning these things and celebrating His faithfulness. But all it takes is the release of our service, and we're out on the lanai, and it doesn't take but a few moments and we begin to tell stories about others, we begin to make plans, we begin to get soft, we get, lose our temper because someone got our parking place, or someone forgot this, or we want to go, how long is the message going? All of a sudden, Satan's got us even in a place that should be a heavenly place on earth. So I'm just saying that He is faithful to protect us and to strengthen us wherever you go. A couple more thoughts. You military people that go off, I know there's a great fear because most of the military people probably are unsaved, just like anywhere else we go. But you know that there's a lot less, um, well, let me say there's, there's a lot less freedom, and so therefore you can do certain things there. Some of you that are going to be missionaries, you're going to go off to places that it's going to be maybe not filled with Satan. Watch this now, this is very careful. You could go to an area or a country that is known for a tremendous amount of religiosity. And I'm not going to mention various religions that are major around the world with head people that look at them almost as God on the earth. You think, oh, that must be safe. Anytime that that religion does not embrace that Jesus Christ is Lord or that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, they don't believe the Scripture, the totality of Scripture... That area is so close to the real thing, I think that's where Satan resides the most. Did you catch that? So it's not just in the forest. I can see that stuff where they're cutting the heads off this and drinking the blood. But over here, it's harder for me to see that. So when you hear this message, even right now, privately, I would hope that you'd be saying, oh, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you will keep your promise to protect me and strengthen me because the evil one is everywhere. When I go home, I want to remain strong for you, Lord. Help me. I'm going to trust you to do all of this. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord smiles on that. He comes alongside you. He's inside of you. And he gives you that strength so that you can have a testimony for his glory. Well, that's not enough. So he does give us strength and protection. But what else does he do? He also provides a way out of temptation for us. What a faithful God to provide us a way out of temptation. So 
When Satan does come alongside of us, what happens? All right, It says, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. So everybody's got it. Everybody's been tempted. Me as well. Everybody. The Apostle Paul. In fact, even Jesus was tempted. Scripture says the difference between him and you and me is the fact that he didn't give in to the temptation. And there it is again. God is faithful. That's his nature. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape also so that you'll be able to endure whatever that is. doesn't necessarily mean he'll lead you out of it, but he'll give you the strength to go through it. And so the out of it is the strength to go through it according to his glory. And I want you to know there's been many, many times that that'll happen to you, that you're tested, but there is a way to really remain strong. I'll give you this uh, little bit to the practical part of this. The more you abide in his word, you listen to his word, you read his word, you choose to think his word, speak his word, allow the values of his word, the power of his word to affect your thinking, your heart, your mind, your life. The more you go to him in prayer and you commune with him and you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, intimately with him, and you choose to do all of that, scripture says Satan will flee from you. And so that temptation becomes um, less powerful of a pull on us because we now have the power source that is alive and active in our life. Well, that now brings us to number six. Let's say that even in the midst of God's faithfulness, we choose not to respond to his faithfulness and do our own thing in rebellion, ignorantly or willfully. What happens then? Well, he is also faithful to forgive us when we do fail. Look, if you will, at the verse. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, look at that verse again. It says, if we, so it's referring to believers. So you don't confess your sins to be saved. You've trusted Christ to save you. You may confess him as your savior to be saved, but you don't confess your sins to be saved. The most you might do is just confess that you are a sinner in need of a savior. That's it. But here it says, if we Christians confess our sins. What does the word confess our sins mean? Do I have to do it by giving anything, lighting anything, drinking anything, doing anything, touching anything, praying anything? No, the word confess And I have to take it from the original meaning of the word as it's thrown through Scripture. It basically means name it as God names it. All right, confess it means confess it as God would see it. So if I confess my sin, that I'm saying this is sin, it's as bad as sin, it's the way God sees it. And by the way, as much as God relates to sin, I want to relate to sin. He hates sin. He hates what sin does. I hate sin. I want to hate what sin does. Therefore, I'm confessing that sin has got a hold on me, and I'm saying it is wrong, so I'm confessing this sin before the Lord. Now, let's go to the rest of the verse. It says, he is faithful. That's his nature. Not will be or past. He is. And righteous. To forgive us our sins. I love that. To forgive us all of our sins. So there is no sin in your past, whatever it was done, that when you now name it as God names it, you own it as God would own it, you realize that he then took it to the cross, you confess that to the Lord, he then gives you a do-over. He forgives you. He releases you in that sin, separates you. And then it says, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, which I like that. It's not just you get a do-over. There's a cleansing that goes on. So let me see if I can explain it this way. You know, when you're in the ministry and you have children, you generally are at home. Satan is always, you know, so you you kind of get into these things at the house. And I don't know, that probably doesn't happen to Pastor Dennis' house. You know, they live in such godly righteousness and the angels sing while they're getting up and doing their stuff. But back to uh, the Pons family. <clears throat> when the Pons family, you know, and I'm a little bit more intense because we got to get there, and, you know, and all of this and, you know, that kind of stuff. So by the time we're almost ready... 
I sent our boys out, our son Joe, and I hope you can meet him. Uh, Joe's a great, great kid. And so I, I say, Joe, go out to the car, stand by the car, and wait for me. All right? So Carol and I, we finally are ready. We go to the car. There's Joe. He's got his, you know, he didn't wear suits. But you know how boys are. They want to dress up a little bit. Again, mainland, they don't wear, you know, board shorts, you know, they got a little more, you know. And there it is. There's two wet, kind of dirty marks on the knees. You know, he's eight, nine years old, you know. And I'm thinking, what in the world? And he said, Dad, I, you know, I was looking for the ball, and I saw it under the hedge over there, and I had to get it out of there. I, I knew you'd be happy that I found the ball, and I got it out of there. And I said, I, I'm very happy you found it, but look what you did. I can't send you to, they're not going to believe you're on your knees praying. I said, what, what, what are you going to do here? And he said, oh, Dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Now, I'm going to tell you what a good dad would do, and then I'm going to tell you what a great dad would do. And then you can decide if I was good or great. I looked at him and I said, son, I forgive you. I might have at your age done the same thing. I see something. I, I know I said stand by the car. And you, were, you stood by the car, kind of. And you kind of went here. And I guess I didn't make it clear, you know. So I, you're forgiven. That's a good dad. The rest of that verse says cleanses us from all unrighteousness. A good dad would have forgiven him. And probably would have said, okay, let's go to church. We're late. But a great dad would have said, you know, I know that's going to embarrass you and all of that. Maybe your mom too, probably me. Why don't you go inside the house and go change your britches and put something else on that makes it look clean. They don't need to see what's happening here just because you momentarily went after that. Now, why am I telling you that story? Is because I want you to know that God does more than just forgives us and then leaves us filthy. All right? He then continues to clean us and make us better and better. Why? Because he is faithful. So even when you blow it, I'm so glad that God keeps his word. He forgives me and he cleanses me, which leads us to number seven now. And that is when we go through affliction to support us when we are going through suffering. I don't know the kind of suffering that you may go through or you have gone through or you are going through, but I can identify some areas from which you could have suffering. So let me just go through them quickly. You can identify suffering from your foes. They all begin with F so you can remember them. Foes. Do you have some real enemies in your life that you know are trying to undercut you at work, undercut you in the neighborhood, undercut you on your ball team? You know they're real enemies. You know that they're trying to and plotting to do something to make life miserable for you in some way. You have a foe. You're suffering because of that foe. Number two could be family. You're suffering because of family. Whether they now are a foe or not, I don't know. But maybe through some aspects of family, you're really hurting right now and you're suffering. Maybe what two family members are doing to two other family members. Or maybe you're left out of, of certain activities. So you have family. How about number three, fitness? You're going through some health issues right now. You just got a bad report from the doctor. At least to you, it appears to be bad. Maybe it's finances. I don't know what that It could be finances. So what are you going through for some of your suffering? You know, uh, we talked a lot about you personally, and I know you feel that because I love you as individuals, but if you don't mind, I, I want to step back just a moment. The entire church at large, capital C, all believers all over the world, we all have to believe in a faithful God. It just seems like more and more the bastions of hell and Satan has their entire arsenal against Christianity. And a lot of it comes because of what people say Christianity is, Others then believe what others say about Christianity, and now we become Christianity that's no biblical Christianity whatsoever. Do you know what I mean by that? 
news articles, late night comedians, all the rest. Everybody wants to caricature Christianity and what it is and what it's not. Let me read something to you. I just got this this week and boy did it smack me on the side of the head. It goes like this. Whatever the nature of their creed, stubbornness and inflexible obstinacy surely deserve to be punished. Sounds like some current judge might have said that against maybe Christian bakers or florists or photographers for wanting to perform some kind of a service at a so-called wedding between two men and two women. Let me read that again. Whatever the nature of their creed, referring to Christians, stubbornness and inflexible obstinacy surely deserve to be punished. What's interesting is that wasn't quoted by any of our current leaders is quoted by a 2nd century Roman governor by the name of Pliny the Younger. And he made that statement against Christians because they weren't bowing to the state or to Rome. I tell you that little story because what we think we're going through right now, what I was just reading you all these verses of Scripture, they were written, inspired to the writer. The writer now writes it. And who did he write it to? Moms and dads. Husbands and wives, single people, military people, people who own their own business, slaves, neighbors, people just like you and me. And that same crowd from back then to the present until Jesus makes all things right in the future, we're going to be under attack. And when we do, don't lose hope. God is faithful. He is on the throne. And you can trust him. So let's look here about the suffering. It says here, therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God, in other words, God brought this into your life or at least allowed it into your life. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And so I'd just like to end this by not just watch this, knowing that he is faithful, which is a lot of this, having an attitude of wonderful trust, but I want you now to place your trust in this faithful wonderful creator God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look up here for a moment. Let my right hand represent you and me and my wallet represents sin. The Bible says we're all sinners and because we've sinned by nature and choice, when we die, we'll spend eternity separated from him. To go to heaven, though, I've got to be perfect, but I'm not. I have sin on me. The Bible says no good deed I do myself will get rid of this sin. This is you and me and this sin. I've got a horrible situation. My left hand represents God who took on flesh. He's perfect. I'm not. My sin separates me from him for all eternity. I can't get to heaven. But the Bible says God loves me, but he hates my sin. So Jesus Christ, who is God, took on himself all of my sin. And then he then died and rose again and willingly will give to me his righteousness so I can go to heaven if I would simply trust Christ as Savior. God is faithful. He says all we have to do is to believe in him who died and rose again and that we'll have everlasting life. So my dear friend, entrust yourself to the faithful creator no matter what you're going through now so that at least you can have eternal life later on, not because of the suffering, but because of the faithfulness of God and you acted upon it by trusting in him. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, a little statement like that is so profound where Jesus says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. And I pray that you would. I pray right now that you would trust Christ as your Savior. And the reason you can do that is because he is God, and Jesus is God, and they are faithful. 
They were faithful to say that Jesus would go to the cross and die and rise again. They were faithful to say it was only by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so they kept their word. God has done that. And now he's offering this free gift to you so that you'll act upon his word. Would you place your faith alone in Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you there is no other way to heaven. And I can say that because scripture says there's no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's his way? Jesus said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. He didn't say believe. He didn't say behave. He didn't say believe and behave. He just said, believe on me has everlasting life. So the believing part is up to you now. The Spirit of God is bringing you to the point of a need. You need to do this for your forgiveness of sin and eternal life. The Lord did His part by bringing you this message. The Lord has brought you to hear this message. You now have the opportunity at this very moment in time to trust Him. So He's done everything because He's faithful. But now, will you act upon His faithfulness and trust Him? the creator of the universe in you and me, as the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again. Nowhere does it say good works gets us into heaven, but everywhere it says good works is something we do after we've trusted Christ. Not to stay saved, but because we are. As a way to say thank you, perhaps. Anyone? So would you trust Christ right now? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're trusting Christ as your Savior... I'd like to pray for you. Now, me praying for you won't get you to heaven, but I'd like to pray for you. Now, how can we do that? Well, one way that we can do that without you being embarrassed would be to just slip up your hand and put it down. No one's looking around. This is a very private time for you, and our folks know that. And when I pray for you, I'm not going to walk over to you. I'm not going to put my hand on your shoulder. I'm not going to describe you or announce who you are and say anything in my prayer to in any way indicate that. I'm just privately with you and the Lord just enjoying this moment together. And our folks are, are wanting us to do that. In a sense, more than that, they're wanting you to trust Christ. So simply say this, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I can't get to heaven myself, so I'm confessing that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and you're the only Savior. I'm now depending upon you and you alone. I don't understand it all. I do know that I may have some doubts, but I learned today that even if I have those doubts, those faithless times, that you are going to be faithful. You abide faithful. You can't deny your own character. And you said once I trusted in you, I will never perish. So I'm depending you, depending on you, the only one that will make and keep and has the power to fulfill a promise. I'm trusting in you. Now, however you want to say that, it's not a prayer, it's a transaction between you and the Lord. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all that's trusting Christ? Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? See how that's done and over with. Thank you, too. Anyone else? Our gracious Heavenly Father, it gives me great joy not only to welcome these into your forever family, but it always gives me great joy to be able to give a message about you and your faithfulness. So, Lord, thank you that you not only are faithful, but that you communicated your faithfulness in Scripture, as well as you have exemplified your faithfulness all throughout Scripture. So, Father, you are the only God, the only great God. And we come to you and we thank you for that. But now, Lord, I want to say thank you again that I can trust you to continue to reveal more about your faithfulness to us so we can learn more about you. And it's not a religion we're following. 
It's you and you alone. So, Lord, thank you. For that. I thank you for these that are indicating by an uplifted hand that they trusted you as Savior today in their heart before you. And I pray they get a Bible and read it if they don't have one and see these truths for themselves. You'll reveal it to them. That's part of your promise. And thank you, Father, for that. And I pray, too, that they'll be a part of a good faith family where they can worship together and fellowship together of like-minded people where that together we grow. And then, Father, I pray that they would talk to you in prayer, not little stilted, now I lay me down to sleep speeches, but a real daughter-to-father prayer, a real son-to-father type prayer, where we just commune with you, knowing that you love to hear our heart and our mind as we talk to you. And then, Lord, I pray that we would share with, with others this newfound faith and how excited we are. It's like Christmas. We got this wonderful gift, and we got to go tell somebody, just like they did when... You resurrected and you weren't there. The tomb was empty. They all had to scatter and tell somebody. So, Father, the tomb is empty because you're in heaven. This is real. Everything you said you'd do, you did. So we got to go tell somebody. So, Lord, help us to do that in a loving and kind and correct manner. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.